Hey, St. Paul, welcome to episode eight on our study of Richard Foster's The Celebration of Discipline. I'm joined with Tommy Bridges. Tommy, thank you for hanging out so long with us this these last eight or so weeks. It's been a pleasure and a very learning experience. And learning indeed. I mean, over the last, uh, uh, including this week, this will be actually week uh, eight, yeah, eight or nine, because the first week we did an introduction of it, but at any rate, we've studied inward discipline centered around uh, meditation and prayer and fasting and study. And then Richard goes into the outward uh, disciplines, which are simplicity. We did two weeks ago. Last week we did solitude. Uh, this week is submission. Uh, next week it'll be service. And then there are the corporate disciplines that'll follow uh, these. So giving us a bird's eye view, we know that Richard Foster's desire is to spark transformation inside of us. Isn't that right? That's exactly right, John. And how do these disciplines do that? You notice every session is starts with the discipline off. Yes. The discipline off. And, you know, discipline... Uh, leads us to the answer and we must remember that the disciplines are not the answers they are the means to an end basically and this this section is the discipline of submission that leads us to what we will talk about today so don't confuse the discipline it it is just the means to the end yeah i think and that's so true because what happens when we focus on the discipline, on how to act, well, don't we become duplicates of the Pharisees, Absolutely. the whitewashed tombs and stuff like that? Absolutely. And if you would, if you'd really think about it, sometimes the word discipline has a negative tone to it. But in in what we're talking about in in all these disciplines, is it is the way to freedom. And when you think about Let's just take the discipline of the resolution to exercise and make our bodies healthier. It's the discipline to get up in the morning or make time in the day to go do those things that we know is going to make us healthier, whether it be losing weight, whether it be making us more flexible uh, as we get older. It's the same concept. If, if we don't have that discipline to do those things that are necessary to make us a better, healthier person, then it won't happen. We always go back to the, the word, the three little letters, T-R-Y, try. Don't ever use try because it, it allows you too many excuses to get out of a certain situation. I'll try to meet you, John, for lunch. But what happens if I say, well, you know, I really want to, I don't want to go to Panera Bread today and meet John. So I'll just tell John that I'm too busy and I can't do it. So, you know, if we train ourselves and use the discipline to achieve that freedom and liberation from whatever we're trying to do, that's what all these disciplines provide us with is the means. And today we're talking about submission. Submission is one of those difficult uh, subject matters 
foster uh, writes that in submission, we recognize the legitimate authority of others over ourselves. It's broad in its subject matter. It touches so many things in our lives. I mean, in the workplace, in the family life, in um, our citizenship, in the state and the government. There is this overarching, it's just permeating in so many areas of our life. And the scriptures are no different, are they? No. It talks about submission all through scripture. Paul addresses that in Romans 13. Well, he addresses the uh, submission to authority. And we would only have to think back a couple of months ago to what was happening in the major cities in this country, lawlessness, and not submitting to authority. And that obviously would lead, if it continues, lead to anarchy and other negative aspects of what the authority figures stand for. And that is exactly what Paul was talking about. And he said, God put the government in authority. And it's interesting to to say the definition of submission is the action or fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. And obviously what we're talking about is submission to the will of God. What's interesting is, is that throughout the Old Testament, God chastises the Israelites over and over and over again about being, he uses the term stiff-necked. And this is, it first begins at the beginning of their uh, journey through the wilderness. And basically, the implication of stiff-necked is, is that the people are obstinate, the people are um, stubborn, and they remain stubborn. And rather than self-denial, they found themselves wanting to do self-fulfillment. The idiom stiff-necked is a, it's, it comes from a Hebrew background from a farmer's perspective that the animals that the farmer wants to use to plow the field, he uh, puts a yoke on them to make sure that they go in the right direction and for their protection and their safety and for the ultimate good of the purpose of what the farmer needs to accomplish. But those animals that become stiff-necked, it's very hard to put a yoke on those uh, those animals and to get them to do what the farmer wants them to do. And, and it's interesting that this, this is the way God describes the Israelites in Exodus, and it's even what Stephen uses in Acts 6 and 7 when he's talking to the Pharisees. You stiff-necked people, you just don't get it. You are so stiff and stubborn and obstinate that you are insensitive to what God is doing all around you. One of the things that uh, he mentions here is freedom and submission. And we must understand that the obsession of getting our own way is bondage. And our society is so full of that concept, getting our own way. And and just think about the times that people fuss and fume because some little thing didn't go my way. And unfortunately, they can't let that go. They, they fume and they fuss and they rehash that event for weeks, months, and sometimes even years, resulting in health issues, basically ulcers. 
they just can't let it go for the simple reason they major in minors. And it consumes them. It does. It, it consumes does. their very present that it affects their relationships with the people they love, the people that love them. It affects their performance. It's, it's bondage. It really is. There's freedom from letting go of that. Yes, and just, just maybe we need to just step back and, and, and find some peace and ask God to let it go. You know, the most things in life are not just major things. There again, what I'm, what I said is sometimes we just, we are consumed with majors and minors, and in the long run, they're not, ma- they're not major issues. But we make them that way. We just won't let it go. It's like making a mountain of a molehill. You know, <laughs> it's exactly. You ever right. heard that one? Yes. Yeah. Our inability to let go of whatever it is. That mountain that we think is a mountain or what we're, I like to use the phrase, we will go to the mat for. We're going to fight for this tooth and nail. And to believe that our lives will not come to an end if this or that does not happen. And there's freedom in this. There's freedom certainly permeating all through. That's what God wants for us. Really? That's what God wants for us. Yes, John. And, and again, as Christians... Who is our model? Oh, it's Jesus. Jesus Christ. Was he submissive? Oh, certainly he was. Did he lose his identity by being submissive to the Father? No, he didn't. Neither did the disciples. Peter didn't lose his identity just because he dropped his nets and followed Jesus. No, he was still Peter. He was still rambunctious. He sure was. <laughs> to a fault. <laughs> to a fault. But, but he was submissive. And just think, had he not been, or those 12 disciples had not been. It just reminds me of times that people that love to talk theology, and when you're talking about like majoring on the minors, they'll raise issues that have caused division in our church for centuries. And they will say, well, what, what about baptism? You know, should it be an adult or should it be a child? And and what about the color of the paint on the walls? Should we, you know, and, and churches have divided over this. They have really gone to the mat for a lot of these things. And it's so unfortunate that we have so much division in that way, but it's not anything new. John Wesley and Charles Wesley went through this with George Whitfield. They, they unfortunately went to the mat when it came to certain practices and the practicality of how to do ministry. And they parted ways on this. They, they parted ways. And it's, it's just so unfortunate. Later on, they did reconcile. At least they tried to reach out to each other on this. But that's what Satan wants, is us to be divided. Whether it's a church divided, whether it's a family divided, or whether it's inside of ourselves, this division between, well, what I want is not what God wants, and what God wants is not what I want. And dag nabbit, I'm going to stick on <laughs> and hold tightly to this idea of of what I want, this I'm going to push back on that self denial. Exactly. It's interesting when you you read uh, in the Gospels in the Gospel of Mark, in chapter eight, he says, "If any of you wants to be my followers, you must turn from your sinful ways, take up your cross, and follow me." 
If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now that's a wow moment. Could you imagine being in that crowd, part of the the group of people that Jesus is addressing at that point? I mean, we are wired in such a way not to be long range. This decision that I have to make, how is it going to affect me immediately right now? And it transposes itself on our faith maturation when God says, deny yourself, follow me, pick up your cross. We want to quickly go and say, okay, now... What does, what is my cross? What does it look like? And, and what will that mean tomorrow? And what will that mean next week? And I don't think I can do that. But, and, and we become calloused. Oh, what would it be like to be a child again in the sense of having that freedom of letting go of what we think and believing in what could be through God in our midst? You remember a couple of other the, of the dis, disciplines, we talked about our culture we live in a microwave culture. We want it right now. We don't want to wait. We don't want to do that training. We don't, do, we don't want to do those disciplines that lead us to the end. We want it right now. And that's what you're talking about. Remember uh, Frank Sinatra, one of his hit songs was, I Did It My Way. It was a number one hit. A number one hit. I never shall forget years ago, a friend of mine, went to a friend of mine's funeral. They played that song. And I thought to myself, hmm. What, what message? That was a weird, that's a weird song to be, and it's played over, a, you know, a recording. I'm I did it my way. What kind of, of message are they wanting to, to give by that? The lack of peace when it comes to our refusal to submit is exponentially uh, multiplied. I mean, we try to find peace in self-gratification. We find a peace in this microwave society. We try to find that peace, and, and it just can't happen. You were telling me about a sermon you were reading from Charles Spurgeon that why many people don't have that peace. Yeah, allow me to read that. A lack of submission is no new or rare fault in mankind. Even since the fall, it has been the root of all sin. From the moment when our mother Eve stretched out her hands to pluck the forbidden fruit, and her husband joined her in setting up the human will against the divine, the sons of man have been universally been guilty of a lack of conformity to the will of God. They chose their own way and will not submit their wills. They think their own thoughts and will not submit their understanding. They love earthly things. Boy, have we talked about that. Yeah. And will not submit their affections. Man wants to be his own law and his own master. And that was back in the 19th century when he preached, and nothing 
is different. It almost makes me feel as part of the human sinful nature that we're all born into. And we all at every present moment have to tackle this, this uh, horrific thing that goes in, in, on inside of us. The pushing against submission, you know, Jesus, you had mentioned, is that ultimate example that points us to this, not only submission on the cross, but he he had a cross-like life, and how many people will try to define submission to meet their own needs. You know, I think we are all tempted to do it our own way. My will is better. We still tend to accept the sins of pride, impatience, failure to be gentle, loving ourselves more than our neighbors, and most of all, loving creation more than the Creator. And, you know, again, in other times we've talked about things, worshiping things, material things, and not eternal things. And we believe those lies, the delusion, that life and peace can be found outside of the Creator or God. And it seems like we in our society have not figured God in the equation. We've X'd him out. How unfortunate that is, that we have such a myopic view of things that we can only find ourselves seeing it as a risk against what we want and not willing to give that up not willing to step out into the unknown in that in that way. Yeah, John, when we when we step outside the boundaries set by God, there's no rest and there's no peace. We all long for that rest and that peace, and only when we give our hearts in submission to Christ will rest and peace be found. And it goes back to giving up the kingdom of self for the kingdom of God. And as, as I reiterate again, you said, I never will forget this in our Bible study. You're either in the kingdom of God or you're in the kingdom of self. One of the two. It's your choice. But you won't find it in self. That's such a difficult thing to live into. It is. There's a, the fear of losing what we think is so important. The fear of risk fear of um, stepping out. It's no wonder God calls us to be like a child when it comes to entering the kingdom of heaven. The older we get, the more calloused we become to stepping out in faith. Right. To seeing ourselves through God's eyes. He, uh, in his book, talks about the way we fool ourselves into believing we're submitting he calls them distortions of, of submission. And all of these miss the paradigm that God has um, designed for Christians, that all the verbs of Christian submission are conjugated around the life and the death of Christ. And we distort that. We, uh, we think that we're being submissive when we become a doormat. Uh, a person who allows others to misuse or abuse them. When we become a pleaser, we distort submission. The person who wants more than anything else uh, to avoid conflict. The person uh, who is dependent. Uh, this person who is 
has a fear of making decisions. And so there is this, this pseudo submission that he calls it that allows others to make all their decisions. And then the manipulator and that person who um, shows all the outward rules of submission, but employs every subtle trick of the trade to get his or her own way. So acts of mercy are done to put others in their debt. Words of kindness are given to win us to their side. And all of these are counter to the way Christ lived into this submission, this cross life, this life of uh, submission to God. And um, it sur- certainly, I got to tell you, after reading this this chapter, I mean, I can't help but reflect, okay, man, when when have I been this way? When have I, you know, we were just talking about this earlier. Lisa and I were talking about going to dinner the other. Okay, sweetie, what do you want to eat? And yes, she, dear. Yes, dear. Uh, I'll, it don't matter. What do you want to eat? Yes, dear. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we find ourselves uh, doing this and we think we're being submission, but, you know, it would take a little bit of extra work. But maybe it's about, okay, thinking through what does my spouse really want? What would make her happy instead of just avoiding the question altogether and deferring it? It's not submission. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's not, not. not submission at all. And I bet the majority of our audience has encountered that. Where would you like to go to dinner tonight? Well, I don't care. Where would you like to go? Well, let's go. This this place. No, I went there for lunch today. <laughs> I think so we on and on and on example. we go. So yeah. It's hilarious. So throughout scripture, um, it's people have tried to manipulate God to get on their side. Joshua and Joshua chapter five, scripture says that he meets this angel of of the Lord who turns out to be the Lord himself because he bows down and worships him and joshua asks whose side are you on are you on my side or are you on my enemy's side are you for me are you for my enemy what's surprising is is that the lord responds neither now we would tend to believe and jump into what you've got to be for israel right you've you've you brought them out of egypt you led them with this pillar of fire and cloud of smoke i mean aren't you for israel and And what is so interesting about this passage is how we tend to gravitate towards even a lack of submission to God in the sense of we just want to tag God onto this. Okay, we have this great idea. Now let's tag God onto this. Let's let's put Jesus into this and get what we want. But he's not here to show us that he's on our side or the opponent's side or our enemy's side. Man, he is here to get us on his side. And that's where the submission comes. If we can just drop drop to the side for a moment, all of those things that we think God wants for us and what God wants us to do and, and, and start tagging on, okay, well, I'll do this and I'll choose the things that I like and whatnot. Maybe just stop for five or 10 minutes and just say, I wonder where God wants me to be on his team, where God wants me to be involved in his kingdom not mine. Exactly. And, you know, I think the Christian's perfect example of submission is Christ the night before his crucifixion. 
And you know, you read that account in the Garden of Gethsemane, and just put yourself in his position. He was agonizing over the horrible consequences of the sins of the world and the crucifixion. What a horrible way to die. And he pleaded with the Father, is there any way that you can take this cup from me? Yeah, God, give me plan B. Yeah, yeah. But he said, in the end, your will be done. And he faced the cross. He did the will of the Father. Now, I doubt very seriously we will face those types of decisions. But wouldn't it be in our best interest as Christians to understand that we don't belong to ourselves? We were bought with a pretty heavy price. And Jesus agonized over that the night before. And if we can ever accept the fact that our sins are forgiven forever and ever, as far as the east is from the west, I think that's one in one of the Psalms. But just accept that fact and say, hey, you know, I want to be in God's kingdom, not in Tommy Bridges or John Fuse's kingdom. Letting go and letting God transform us in the image of Christ. That's submission. And there's freedom in that. Absolutely. There is. I wish I could tell you, Tommy, that every single time I was faced with a decision to submit that I did. I haven't. And if we're honest with ourselves and we look back, I think we all could probably agree with that ourselves. That we'll put up a fight. We'll push back. Yeah, that's exactly right. Tommy, I think that's a great word to end on for today. And our prayer is that over the next few days, that um, that you would, at least for a moment, open your ears to what God might be saying to you and where God might be nudging you to admit prayerfully and sincerely how we have become calloused to God's kingdom around us. And maybe we've fallen into this, this pseudo-submission format of being a doormat or a pleaser or whatnot. God has continually promised and he continues to do that, uh, give that promise today that wherever and whatever he wants to do, He begins with doing it inside of us. Hey, may God hold you all in the palm of his hand and remind you that you are his and he is yours. God bless and thank you for joining us.